It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Sunny Talk Sports Podcast. This is part two of a special edition two-part Super Bowl 52 preview. This is a very bittersweet episode. For the final time until probably late August, on the phone with me to chat about the NFL is the notorious BMC, Paul Clark. Paulie, we had a four-year layoff from the last time we did our weekly NFL Picks podcast, and I must say, coming back to do it again was probably the best decision we've collectively made since we started using Doritos on our nacho platters. <laughs> it was, it's right up there. I mean, the Doritos on the nacho platter, I mean, that's just in a league of its own, but this is Yeah, that, that's some... The, the Doritos on the nacho platter was next level innovation. That was, that was a really... I mean, that just savvy that move. That just takes the nachos to a whole other level. It really does. We we transition from regular nachos to the scoops, and then from the scoops to the Doritos. And really, we we rarely looked back after we started using the Doritos. It was like ninety percent of the time after that we did Doritos, and it was, it was hard. Uh, yeah, and it will be hard not to do these podcasts again every week because. Um, Getting together with you on the phone once a week for an hour to talk about the games was, without question, one of the highlights of every week for me. Um, so, the, much like the Doritos and the Nacho Platter, our weekly NFL podcast will not be going away anytime soon. No, I, I definitely hope not. It, it's definitely something I look forward to, and uh, you know, hopefully in the off season we can get together a few times and maybe talk talk a little basketball. Oh, for sure. I, I'm going to drag you onto the podcast to talk basketball with me. We're going to have to do – I mean, all the stuff we have that we watch in common between wrestling, which we're going to get to at the end of this podcast. So if you're listening and you're a wrestling fan, um, we're going to be recapping the Royal Rumble at the, the tail end. Um, but we have wrestling. We have the NCAA tournament. We have NBA, which is my personal favorite. There, there's really no shortage of – of stuff that we can talk about on the pod. But the weekly NFL ones definitely hold a special place in my heart because that's how it all started for me. That was that was the very first episode um, way back in the day, way back in 2010, the very first podcast I did. We did a, uh, I want to say it was like week 11 or week 12 NFL picks. Yeah. Yeah, the camp um, the captain's corner, yes, old school. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm impressed you remember that. that was a very long time ago. Um, and here we are now, two days before Super Bowl Fifty Two. Um, why? So here's the one thing. Aside from like the X's and O's stuff that has to do with the game and the prop bets, which I did a podcast with. Um, Colin last night, which will be going up along with this post or with this podcast. The one thing that I'm have been thinking about leading up to the game is how little height it seems like there is for the Super Bowl. Way way more or way less, I guess rather than any Super Bowl I could remember recently. W- what do you think goes into that? Because I. You know, you just look at the lead on SportsCenter every night. It's like NBA or college basketball or, oh, Tigers in this golf tournament. Like, the, I, the lead really hasn't been any kind of Super Bowl hype this week. Well, if you look at both teams, they're kind of both, you know, tight with 
You know, no nobody's given any bulletin board material, and, and they're just kind of, you know, staying, stay stay you know, with their, with their mouth shut and not really talking and, and it's not really giving any firepower to the other team. They're just basically, you know, New England, you know that's going to happen. But usually every year whoever plays New England likes to run their mouth a little bit, and it kind of gets mm-hmm. things going a little bit. And Philly hasn't done that. They've, uh, you know, they've, they've kind of just kept to themselves and uh, getting ready for Sunday. And which I, which this, this Super Bowl to me, it truly is going to be a great game. I mean, if you look at the way these teams have performed, I mean, they've both been phenomenal. Um, I think it's a lot of strength on strength in a lot of a lot of areas. So I'm looking forward to it. I am too. I you know, I don't know if it's my guess would be that it's a little bit of Patriots fatigue, and I mean. You could really only ask these guys the the same question so many times. I love Belichick's response about what's different about the Super Bowl than all the others, and his response was it's in Minnesota, um, and that that kind of perfectly encapsulates what what um, why there's a lack of hype. I think because like really the the only thing different for the Patriots this time compared to Last year, or when they played Seattle, or when they played the Giants the second time around, the only thing different really is the location. It's been the same team churning out 12-win seasons over and over again, and they're making the Final Four over and over again, and then they get back to another Super Bowl. Um, So I think people are probably getting tired of that. Um, and I also think it has to do with the fact that the Eagles lost Carson Wentz in, in week 14 and we're, we're kind of being deprived of that potential Brady to Wentz passing of the torch moment, which is a real bummer if you really, if you think about the, the historical context that could have gone into this game and gone into the buildup, uh, I mean, really, I don't know of – I guess there's no historical precedent for um, someone as well-established as Brady quarterbacking one team and then someone who has such a high upside as Wentz quarterbacking the other team in the Super Bowl. I can't remember an example that would that would quite work quite as well as Brady and Wentz would. No, that would have that would truly been fantastic. Um but you, you got to give full credit. I mean, don't get me wrong. Carson Wentz is, you know, full. I'm, I'm not comparing the two, but I mean, full fulls couldn't have been any better in that NFC Championship game. I mean, he, he was fantastic. Took part, he took a part of very good Philip or very good Minnesota defense. Uh, Doug Peterson had a phenomenal game plan. You know, he just went right after him. He he didn't hold nothing back, and and that's what I like about Philly. They they're not putting no games on folds. They're letting them go out there, and he throws the ball. And then, and Elshon Jeffrey's been great, and, and they they running game, and their offensive line's been performing really good. And and I tell you, Sunday they they're not going to be intimidated by the Patriots. So, I, I agree with you. I, I think that this is a very evenly matched game. Um, it feels like the Eagles can win using Jacksonville's game plan from the AFC Championship, kind of control the ball, win the time of possession. Um, but what killed Jacksonville in that championship game was they couldn't convert anything in the fourth quarter, and they kept giving Brady chances. It seems like Philly's offense is way more equipped to put New England away if they're in that kind of situation where Jacksonville couldn't get that score to go from up 10 to up 17. And – I think Philly's offense could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Philly's definitely got way more playmakers on the outside, and you know, I, I think uh, you know with Foles, and I think their play calling will be a little more aggressive than Jacksonville was. Yeah, you know, and and I think uh, you know, I think if Philly has a chance, that they're not just going to sit on a lead. They're gonna they're gonna try to, you know, don't. New England's like, you know, like the Michael Myers. You, you, you can't just assume they're dead because they're always going to come back. And, I mean, last year was the, the perfect example of that. That was, that, that was literally like 
end of Halloween 2 when Michael Myers is burning alive and you think he's dead and then he comes back in the later movie. Like, right. New England was as dead as you could be in that in that third quarter against Atlanta and they end up coming back. Um, but yeah, I thought Jacksonville got really conservative. I thought early on they let Bortles make some throws and he looked good and he didn't kill him with any bad throws and then at the end of the game, it was like they, they took the ball out of his hands a little bit and they handcuffed him. And I thought that that was what ultimately lost the Jags that game was they got complacent and they got – I think they started playing a little bit scared. Um, and I can't see Philly, Philly doing that. No, the Jacksonville started playing not to lose instead of to win. You know, New England was stacked in the box, nine guy fronts in the second half, and they were just pounding for that first down, pounding for that. Well, then you're getting second and ten, third and ten, and you're putting Bortles in no-win situations. Where in the first half, they were going little play-action dump screens, you know, getting second and short, third and short, and that's where Bortles could win. And, uh, you know, in the second half, they just didn't do that. Then, you know, you keep giving New England's offense chance after chance, chance after chance. Sooner or later, Brady's going to get in a rhythm. And, and uh, you know, they connected on that third and 18 to Amendola. And uh, it was history from there. Yeah, Jacksonville, they, they didn't have – they don't have the threats downfield like Philly does. Um, I did not expect that out of Philly's offense against Minnesota. Um, obviously, I picked the Vikings. You picked Philadelphia, which I, I considered a bold pick. Um, I just didn't see anything from their offense with Foles in – in the lineup that indicated that they'd be able to go and hang 38 on the Vikings. I didn't see it, but they, I mean, you, you laid it out right at the beginning. They, it was a great Foles game. It was a great Doug Peterson game plan. And they had four plays, four passes of over 35 yards. And I think that's what could end up killing New England. I think that early on, you'll probably, I would, I would guess that Philadelphia will probably try to settle Foles in like Jacksonville did with Bortles, but I think you'll see Philly a little more eager to take those deep shots for Jacksonville. They, they just didn't have the willingness or the weapons to do so. Um, now the question is, um, and, you, and you mentioned it early on, strength on strengths, what is New England's offense going to be able to do against Philly's defense? It's it's all going to be determined by by New England's offensive line. I mean, Philly's defensive line is ferocious, and they get after you. And Fletcher Cox is just he he's just a dominating force in the center of that defense. And if New England's going to have to get him blocked, but you know how New England is, they're going to run the quick screens and they're going to run and and you know the quick passes and they're going to get Brady settled in and they're going to they're going to have a game plan for that because. They're not just going to let Fletcher Cox dominate the game. They just they just won't do it. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. And I did my prop bets podcast with Colin, and I wrote a little bit about the prop bets that I liked uh, earlier in the week. One of the ones that I didn't mention either that I actually really like, and it turns out Bill Simmons likes this one too, I like the over for Brady completions. I think it was like 25 and a half completions. I think that they're basically going to use quick passes as runs because I don't think they could run the ball in Philly. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I was talking with someone yesterday and I said the same thing. I said, I said the 26 or 25 and a half for Brady's is, is, seems like a lot because he, he's going to be in shotgun spread a lot and they're just going to try to wear that defensive line down. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, that that's probably where the game will be won or lost for Philadelphia, is if they could get pressure with only rushing four guys, um, if they could force the Patriots into a couple turnovers. I uh, I saw one stat that I really liked in the Belichick era in New England. The Patriots are one fifty nine and fifteen when they have a positive turnover differential, which is just crazy. Um, so they're going to have to turn New England over. And I, I just 
that that's what I was conflicted about when I was trying to make a pick is how much do I trust Philadelphia's defense? They've been fantastic the last four weeks, and really all season they they were really good. But the last four weeks they've only given given up thirty three points. Um, the last two games of the regular season, and then the two playoff games. The two playoff games, they've really taken the underdog role to heart. Like, I think they've really taken it personal that, you know, people that just came right out and said, including myself, going into the playoffs, I, I thought out of the six teams in the NFC, they had they had to be the longest shot on the board. I felt the just, same way. And just looking at it, you know, and I think, you know, you tell a bunch of guys that have been winning all year and got that much pride, that they, you know they've been the best team in the NFC all year, and now they now they're underdogs at home. It, it puts a big chip on their shoulder, and you know as you can tell by all the dog masks that were on the field after the games, you know they uh, they they really embrace this underdog role, and uh, here they are again at, at the at the Super Bowl. You know five 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 and a half point dogs. Yeah. Uh... Eight of their 18 games this year, they've held teams to 10 points or under. So that's that's a pretty legit defense. I, I guess I guess what really just surprised me was how competent Foles was in in that NFC Championship game um, against a really good Vikings defense, one of the three or five best defenses in the league. With that said. It seems like Belichick will probably have a good read on how to stop Philadelphia's offense, right? I mean, you, you would think. Uh, you if, would that, think if any coach is going to, it's going to be Belichick. I mean, Belichick usually his his big thing is take your take your major thing away. Now, what is that for Philadelphia? Is it Ertz? Is it Jeffrey? Is it the running game? What, that, what and really, what, that's the that's the dilemma, right? Because I mean, they, they do have a lot of options. You know, like last year, it was like, all right, let's take Julio Jones away and see if the other beat us. Well, this year it's kind of different because Philly doesn't have that one dominant, you say, offensive guy, but they got a bunch of very good weapons. You know, mm-hmm. if if you look at it, you know, who who would you say? You know, I would say Wentz's favorite target was Zach Ertz, but Foles seems to have a, a great, a great uh, connection with uh, Elshon Jeffrey. Yeah, I don't know what they take away. I don't know the best option. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I wrote about it. I like, I picked New England. Um, what what are we officially settling on the line for the stick, by the way? Because I've seen it at four and a half, five, five and a half. Where how do you want to? Where, where should we let we'll this? Say, we'll, we'll say we'll say it's at five. Five, okay. So I took New England. I I picked the game. I said twenty-seven to twenty Patriots. Um. I, I guess I need to see it one more time from Foles. I guess I need to see a defense really put that kind of pressure on Brady where he's not going to look like the greatest quarterback ever. Um, Just out of curiosity, if Wentz were in the picture, if he were healthy, how far do you think the line swings in Philadelphia's favor? I think it's like two. Possibly a pick. Now, are you saying Patriots by two? Yeah, there's no way New England's going to be an underdog. Not, not, no. Okay, I, I, I agree. I think it would have been a pick I think it should have been a pick. If, if Wentz were healthy going into this game, I think the right line would have been a pick. And I actually would have probably taken Philadelphia. Um, but I, I'm taking the Patriots by, by seven. And oddly enough, I, when we are breaking down a game, I could usually tell which way you're leaning, but I'm not sure where you're going with this one. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, I, I really don't know myself. And I was I, over the last uh, 
let's see. We've been we've been on the on the phone here for twenty minutes, and uh, I I still, you know, up to about a minute and a half ago, didn't really have a pick for you, and uh, you know I've been going back and forth and. What I've been telling people really most of the week is I like New England to win. I like Philadelphia to cover. I I, I think Brady's going to pull it out. I think Philadelphia is actually a better team. I just think New England has the best player to ever play football. And somehow Tom Brady is not going to lose this game. And I I don't know how he's going to do it. And it's going to be maybe a lot like the Jacksonville game, you know, where it looks like, you know, it's just isn't their game. But then he's going to make a play or two. And I'll say it comes down to a Steven Gustowski 42-yard field goal at the buzzer. New England 31, Philadelphia 28. I like it. You know, we, we actually did – you know, we did the a Super Bowl preview podcast last year, and it was kind of interesting because we talked about our the theme of it was we broke down the ten best Super Bowls of the 21st century. Yeah, and and we talked about what kind of ceiling New England Atlanta had, and. Obviously, we had no idea that it was going to be the biggest comeback in football history and the first overtime Super Bowl. Um, I, I don't know how you could top that last year game, but I kind of feel like every Super Bowl for the Patriots, the, the stakes are raised. Like, I didn't think it was possible to top the Seattle one with the Butler interception right at the end. I didn't think that that was possible. Um I didn't think the Seattle one could top the two giant Super Bowls. So, I don't know. Maybe this one is just another instant classic and it blows away all expectations. But, I I don't know. Maybe it's because I love Carson Wentz so much. But, I just feel like that's probably a more significant drop-off than, than maybe we're realizing. And if there's a coach who's going to exploit a, a backup quarterback – it might be Belichick. Um, so Brady, it would be Super Bowl number six for Brady. Is there, I mean, is there anything else he gains for his legacy with another Super Bowl? Because he's he's got the greatest quarterback of all time locked up. I I, I don't I don't I, see how there's any way you dispute that. Does this one like get him past Jordan in the minds of of the average sports fan? I mean, I, I said last year he was there. I, I after the Super Bowl, after what he did, um, coming back from twenty eight to three down, and I mean, just perfect in the second half in overtime. I said it then that I thought he was the greatest athlete ever. Yeah, um, I. I think I think he's the greatest. I mean, the most accomplished athlete that we've seen is Tom Brady. The stuff that he's done, eight Super Bowls. I mean, if you look at it, he he's very. I mean, he's two ridiculous, miraculous freak catches away from being eight for eight in Super or seven for seven at Super Bowls. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. But then if you look at it another way. Look how close he is to being 0-7. Yeah, no, it, that, that's the crazy thing. It's like New England is – they can't play a Super Bowl that doesn't come down to the wire. All them games have come right down to the wire, every single one. If you look at them, even the ones they lost, the Rams, starting from the Rams, came down to the wire. Carolina came down to the wire. Philly was right down to the wire. The two Giants games right down to the wire. Seattle right down to the wire. Atlanta goes to overtime. I mean, these games have been crazy. And now, and now you got another one coming with Philly with all this on the line. And and you know, you know Philly Philly's chomping. They're chomping to, to get that ring. They're chomping to get that ring that that New England's gotten so many times. But 
you know, it just comes down to it. You're looking at the GOAT. You're looking at Tom Brady. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just tough, tough to, to finish the job on Tom Brady. And, you know, you, you kind of touch on this with the fact that now with the Super Bowl appearance, it's 16 years apart from his first and last one. Quarterbacks aren't supposed to do that. I mean, there is no historical precedent for that. There, there is no quarterback who's played in eight Super Bowls, nor have any won five. Like, any relevant quarterback record or accolade Brady has. Um, and if he wins number six, I, I mean, no one has won six. No, I mean, not even talking quarterback, no position player, no defensive player. Like, there's no one. And... I mean, he's literally in a category all by himself, and he plays the most important position in all of sports. It's amazing to me that if you look at the way he throws the football, he throws the football better now at 40 than he did when they played when they when they played Philly the last time. Well, he's a man now. He is 40. He he. That's a very good point. <laughs> It's a very good point. I mean, I have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. This guy's throwing a winning Super Bowl. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And the one thing I love about him, and this is turning into a Brady Gush Fest, but how fired up he is on the sidelines. Like, the passion that he still has for the game of football at age 40, you know, 17 years in, there, there's just no one like that. No, he's just he's wired a completely different way, and the the time and effort that he's put into mastering this craft is unbelievable. And like I said at the start, I think it's a real shame that Wentz got hurt because of any other quarterback in the league right now. Because am I wrong for thinking that Aaron Rodgers' time to take that torch has kind of passed? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is pretty good. No, Aaron, I mean, we, we talked about Rodgers. Actually, we gushed about him the week before he, he broke his collarbone. We both agreed that he's probably, I mean, one of the three best quarterbacks, just pure skill-wise, ever. I mean, if you look at, if you look at that Packers team, what were they, three or four and one when he got hurt? I mean, they, they couldn't beat anybody when he got hurt. But it just, I mean... I know if you look, well, he's only won one Super Bowl. His playoff record ain't that great. Well, I mean, look at look at his defenses. I mean, look at the games that he's. I mean, scored how many points, and his defense couldn't hold up. You know. No, and, I, I and I didn't mean that. that wasn't meant to to take anything away from Rodgers. I more so meant he's thirty four. It's not like he is in the prime of his career. Wentz, Wentz is only 25. Wentz said Torch is being passed to the next guy who's going to own the next decade. Wentz would have been the logical choice for that. Yeah, I mean, Wentz is phenomenal. You know I love Carson Wentz. We talked about it several times throughout the year, how much we both liked him. And, uh, you know, it is a shame he got hurt because, man, I would have really loved to see him play in this game against Tom Brady because that would have been that would have been really great. But I I tell you I'm excited for this game. I'm excited for the way you know Philly's been playing. I, I'm just I'm just worried if Philly wins, what's gonna what's gonna happen to the Balboa statue? <laughs> they can't take the statue down. That I mean, that's like Philly's most prized possession. That and the the Liberty Bell. Like the, and those are one and two, and what? The cheesesteak. And the cheesesteak. Yeah, I, <laughs> I more meant like the actual physical <laughs> objects within the city that they don't have like a cheesesteak statue hanging out anywhere. Um, but yes, you're right. The cheesesteak would be number three. <laughs> um, 
Do you have any prop bets that you like? I don't know if you looked at any of the prop bets, but. You know, I, I didn't really look at a lot of them. I do like the Brady completions. I actually like the Foles completions. I think that was at 18 or 19. I, I thought that would go over. The one little, the weird one that I saw that I kind of liked that was kind of looked weird to me was James White's rushing yards were like 14. The over-under were like 14 yards. Like, I know Deion Lewis gets most of the carries, but, man, James White was really good at the Super Bowl last year. Seems like yeah. 14, he could rip off a 14-yard carry without a problem. There were some there were some other weird ones for yardage and stuff. One that I actually almost put in um, either my column or when Colin and I did our podcast last night, there was one for Philip Dorsett receiving yards, and I think it was like five and a half. So basically you're just betting that he's going to get, a, like, a reception. Yeah. If he doesn't have a – I mean, basically you're saying he's not going to have a catch. Right. And I think he I think he had at least one in that Jacksonville game. And it, it always seems like – yeah, it always seems like there's the one random guy in all these Patriots games that – yeah. That comes up big. Who you barely heard from him? I think Chris Hogan had one of those games uh, a couple years ago. He had a um, championship game last year. He was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Amendola has been like phenomenal in the two. He looked like a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, he's just been great. Yeah. I... I don't know. It'll be a very interesting game. I'm excited for for the halftime show. Um, I mean, how can you be excited for Justin Timberlake? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of negative Timberlake buzz that I'm seeing on Twitter. I don't know if I'm following the wrong people or something, but it seems like a lot of people are down on Timberlake being the choice for the halftime show. I love Justin Timberlake. I I, mean, I got I got a record player for Christmas this year, and the first two albums I bought were two Justin Timberlake albums. You got a record player? A record player, damn straight. They still make record players? They're coming back, man. Wow. They're making a comeback. Hey, I went to uh, Weston's over the summer for the Mayweather-McGregor fight, and he has, like, a legit old-school one. And when I came home, that was, like, all I was talking about was how badass his record player was. So uh, the parents hooked it up for Christmas. It was quite a surprise. I had no idea that – I mean, that was a genuine Christmas morning, walk down the stairs, see what Santa set out for me surprise i that caught me off guard but yeah i bought parts one and two of the 2020 experience i'm very excited for justin timberlake i mean if there's five guys in the world that i can hang out with justin timberlake's on that list yeah i think he'd be on mine too i agree what's uh what are you doing what are you doing oh go ahead I don't know if it's because we watch so much of uh, Alpha Dog. <laughs> what's uh, what's on the food menu for you for Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, well, Aunt Mary is, has invited us over, and uh, she's informed me that she's uh, we got the, the Velveeta cheese dip that we always do. Love the Velveeta cheese. Okay, so we got that. She's making a a pizza dip, she said, mm. that she's we we've never had before, but it sounds delicious. I mean, pizza dip, how could it be bad? I mean, yes, yeah, so those two words together. Yeah, yeah, a shrimp a shrimp dip is also on the menu. Some Another two words that belong together. Some cheese and crackers are on the menu, and the big the big dip part, we're gonna have some beef on wicks. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a winner right there. That is a winner. I haven't had beef on wick in a minute now. That that sounds delicious. Yes, yes, I could. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock down some nice. You know, the, the cheese dip. I'm gonna have a little pizza dip. Then I'm gonna have. You know, I'll just enjoy some beef on wick while I'm watching the Super Bowl. 
Notice I said plural. I'm, I'm not just having one. <laughs> Multiple beef on wick. <laughs> we're uh, we're doing the stuffed bread as usual. Yeah, we're really it's only like a three a three tier approach for us this year. We have the stuffed bread, which there are six different kinds. So I guess that that should count as more than one. We right. have. I think my approach is I'm going to go stuffed bread, then hot fudge sundae, and Whoa. then then near the end of the third quarter, I think I'm going to put together a nacho platter. And you best believe I'll be using Doritos. Yes. I mean, just do me a favor, all right? After the nacho platter, after it's done, after you've finished it, don't leave the cheese on the plate the same. <laughs> I never would. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to live that one down. I mean, because I probably I, I wouldn't get fed the next day. No, your ass would be new mown grass when you woke up in the morning. Yeah. So you have to recap. You have Patriots by three. I have Patriots by five. Or no, I have Patriots by seven. The line is five. Um, so technically, your pick is Philadelphia. Mine is New England. Um, I won the regular season relatively convincingly, but with a win for you, we would tie for the playoffs. So a lot on the line, aside from the Lombardi Trophy. Should we do? Should we do Royal Rumble? Absolutely, for sure. That, that was a fantastic pay per view. As I told you. I hadn't been watching much WWE programming leading up to that. I really, since probably I mean, before Survivor Series, I had only been doing the pay-per-views. Um, and Survivor Series was a little bit of a letdown. I was expecting more from it. Um, but Royal Rumble won me back. I am fully in on the road to WrestleMania. The men's rumble was really good. I thought they had the right guys near the end. Um, were you okay with Nakamura winning the men's rumble? I, I was. I, I like Shinsuke. I think uh, he really hasn't gotten the push I thought he would get so far. Um, like you said, though, I liked how they had kind of like him and Balor and then Cena and Reigns, where the crowd was kind of rooting for the Baylor and Nakamura. Comp- you know what yeah. I mean? It was, it was like they got the two faces of the company, basically, in Reigns and Cena, that the crowd loves to boo. And then the two guys that are kind of the popular, you know, younger guys that are coming up. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, having Nakamura win, I, I think he's a great personality. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, him and AJ Styles, that, that's going to be fantastic. Oh, it, it'll tear the house down at WrestleMania. I was rooting for Balor. I've been a Balor guy since he was in NXT. I, I loved him there. Um, really, I love the demon gimmick. Yeah. And I when they started going away from it a little bit more, I thought, oh, man, they're going to ruin him. But... Ever since they paired him with Gallows and Anderson, and since they brought them out and had that moment with DX at the the Raw 25, yeah, I, I the, that version of Balor has won me over. I think he's really good in that role. I thought I thought after seeing him get that spot on Raw 25, because I mean, pairing anyone with DX and coming out of it not being super kicked and pedigreed. That, that's a pretty big moment. I thought that there was a chance he would ride that momentum and they'd book him to win the Rumble. And when he entered one and he was hanging in there for so long, or I guess he was number two, but he was hanging in there for so long, I thought, man, he really has a shot. But I think I think that that was good for him. I was bummed that he ended up losing to Cena in the Elimination Chamber qualifier, but hopefully they have something big in store for him at uh, at WrestleMania. What about... I'm hoping for a nice feud with Miz. It makes sense. You could... I mean, him and Miz, and then you have the club and Miz Taraj on the outside of the ring doing 
all kinds of stuff. It, it would be really good. It'd be a really good match. And we've talked about the Miz. I don't think on the podcast, but it's safe to say that he's won both of us over over time. Yeah, Miz <laughs> is definitely. I mean, he's definitely a top three guy. I think in the company right now, the way he can cut a promo, his in-ring ability is really gotten phenomenal. Like he's always been able to cut a good promo, but his in-ring ability now is just great. And I mean. He's married to Marie, so <laughs> I think that's when he won you over. I mean, I mean to say the guy's got it going, has got pretty much it all going on. I mean, he hosted hosted uh, the the Real World Champs versus Stars. He's married to Marie. He's an Intercontinental Champion. I mean, the guy doesn't have a bad life. No. Um, and. As good as the men's rumble was, I actually think I enjoyed the women's rumble more. Uh, Well-deserved main event spot. Um, Some really good old callbacks. And the moment, (laughs) for for more reasons than one. Um, And the moment at the end, again... Nobody nobody can agree when things are just really good. I saw a lot of negativity at the uh, on Twitter about the end of the Women's Rumble, about how it was crappy that, that Rousey didn't participate in the Rumble, and then she came out and stole that spot from Asa and Alexa Bliss and Charlotte. And it's like, that was a really cool freaking moment, and that's a really big like sort of not milestone, but that that's a big signing for WWE to get that big of a mainstream star. And I thought they executed it perfectly. I thought it leads perfectly into an Oscar Rousey match at WrestleMania next year. Um, Oscar playing off the whole you stole my spotlight thing. I thought it was perfectly executed. Um, and and to follow it up, the Asuka Sasha Banks match on Raw last week was fantastic. I, I think we're probably. Well, would you say that within the next three years we'll have a, a women's match as the main event at WrestleMania? Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was gonna say the women's division in WWE is is great. Like it's you know, consistently over the last six months, it's been consistently better than than anything that they've done with the men's division. Like, I mean, back in the day, you know, if you saw a women's match, you're like, oh, get this over with. But now it's like, man, you know, you see Charlotte fighting somebody or, you know, like you see, you know, Charlotte versus Natalia or Charlotte versus, you know, you know, they got the Riot Squad over on SmackDown or, you know, it's just great. And then on Raw, it's, you know, like Sasha versus Asuka. And then there's Alexa Bliss. And, you know, them girls are really good. Like, they put on a great show. And uh, you could tell WWE is really starting to give them the spotlight when they had them be the, the main event at Royal Rumble over the event. But I think, I mean, that had probably a lot to do with Rousey. Sure. I mean, it, I, I would have given the women the, the spot even if Rousey wasn't going to show up. I think it was well-deserved to give them a Royal Rumble match. It makes sense. They have enough... Um, enough quality women's wrestlers on the roster. And like I said, the the callbacks were really cool. And for the most part, all the women that they brought back looked like they were still in pretty good ring shape. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just thought, I thought the, the women's rumble was as close to perfect as you could have expected that it would be for the first one. Um, and I'm in, I'm really intrigued to see where everything goes. There are I don't know if you've seen it, but there are rumors that Rousey is going to be in a mixed tag match against uh, Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. Oh really? And I think oh this is breaking news for you. Yeah. Do you want to know who her rumored partner is? The Rock. Future president. Dwayne the Rock Johnson is rumored yeah. to be her partner for that match. That that was that was the that was the you know the little that's a, that's a callback to WrestleMania 31. Yes, yes. 
And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned it, how people were complaining how she took the spotlight away from Asuka. Well, the coach does a, a periscope every morning at 7.30, and sometimes he does one at night following Raw. And I, I watch it because, you know, I like listening to the coach talk about WWE because, you know, he knows a lot about the business. Obviously, now he's back in the WWE. So, mm-hmm. you know, people were telling him how they didn't like that. And he's like, no. He's like, in this business, you you go grab – you don't let somebody – you don't sit back and let people have the spotlight. You go get it yourself. He's like, mm-hmm. that was perfect. He's like, that was – he's like, that was the perfect time to send Rousey out, you know. So and that will be that'll be the entire Rousey storyline for the next two years is that she had this level of stardom outside of WWE and everyone is going to be taking their best shot at her. I think it's going to bring out the best in everyone else. I, I think that I, I think that it's going to. I mean, like I said, I, I would bet that within the next two or three years we'll see the women main event WrestleMania. And Rousey will probably be involved, but there there really is no shortage of quality women's wrestlers on the roster. I told you during the Rumble, I think Alexa Bliss is probably my favorite women's wrestler, um, aside from Trish Stratus. I, I think she is just the whole package. I think there's a few of them right now that are, like, phenomenal athletes, like, I mean, if you watch Charlotte, like, it's, I mean, this is big. I mean, she's, like, and not, like, like heavy-wise, but she's big. Like, she's, and she's, she's a physical a, specimen. Yeah, like, she's, she really is. And the way she flies around in the ring and, like, has, like, her matches are usually flawless. And, you know, you look at Becky Lynch and Sasha and Alexa Bliss and, you know, it's just too bad Paige got hurt because I thought she was really good. You know, and then you mm-hmm. got these younger ones coming in like Mandy, you know, Mandy and uh, Sonya Deville and then the Riot Squad. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, and even like Natalia is a, I mean, she's a flawless wrestler. I mean, yeah, she, she has really good matches. Like the women's division is really stacked in the WWE. Well, why don't we do this? We're two months away from Mania. I'm sure we'll be back on the podcast to talk wrestling um, more between now and then. But let's let's quickly fantasy book WrestleMania 34. And we'll kind of do this like bracketology. Yeah, yeah, the, the one coming up. It'll be like bracketology where we could update this on a weekly or biweekly basis. Um, so Reigns will likely challenge Lesnar for the title on Raw, the universal title. Um, maybe a triple threat match, him, Strowman, Lesnar. I don't see how after the year that, that Strowman had, you don't put him in like a really big match at Mania. That guy's a, a, a monster, like... Well, I told you, I told you how I would have booked it. I would have had Strowman win the title, and I would have had Reigns challenge Strowman for the title at WrestleMania, and I would have had uh, an all-out Reigns heel turn with Triple H uh, making the assist for Reigns. Anyway, I think I, as much as they want Roman Reigns to be a babyface, I think he could be the biggest heel in WWE. Yeah. And because they're stubborn, they they won't do it, and they'll continue to get booed, and they'll probably be surprised by that, but it's just not going to happen. He has phenomenal pitches. He's really good. For me, the thing with Reigns is not that I don't think he's good. Um, I don't think he's not deserving of being in main events. I think he's just badly used. Like, I think that they're – he, his career, to some degree, is going to end up being submarine because he's not going to get over as a face, and they so badly want him to. Right. And he could be the biggest heel in the WWE. Mm-hmm. It's just weird but, because like guys, guys that they want to make heels are the guys like the crowd likes. Like they, the Miz is like they want the Miz to be the biggest heel in the world. That he gets the hugest like. 
he can tell the crowd anything, and they still cheer for him. Or Elias. Your man, your man Elias is a really good example. Elias, I'll tell you. <laughs> I haven't seen you take a crush on a wrestler like you are with Elias since I think Carlito. I gotta tell you, I like this Elias. <laughs> he's just he's just funny to me, and he's it. You know, he looks like he's got a lot of talent in the ring, and he's great on the mic. So I think he's got a really bright future. He, he definitely he definitely has he has the yeah he has the it factor like the little things he's already mastered. I told you this during the rumble when he was walking out doing his guitar thing at the rumble and Heath Slater was laying there on the ground and just like in passing very casually he gave him like a kick to the head like that that was such a great that was like such a subtle little great move. Yeah, he he's definitely winning me over. Um, I think he'll be a prime candidate when Money in the Bank season comes up to to win one of the briefcases. Um, he's had a lot of good moments after all with Cena. I mean, you weren't watching, but over the over like a few weeks before the Rumble, he had a couple good interactions with Cena that were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Cena. The rumors are it'll be him and Undertaker, which will be the last match of the night. I, hey, I really hope I really hope it's the last match for the Undertaker. It's not going to be a great match because I mean, let's face it. I mean, like I feel bad because the Undertaker was great. Like when we went to WrestleMania, the Undertaker and Triple H was just great. Like that, was, and then the next year against Punk was great too. But I'll tell you, ever since the like the Lesnar match, and then like ever since then, his matches have just really just not been good. Like they just, I mean, just not the Undertaker. Like, yeah, the the one the one last year against Reigns was kind of hard to watch for point points of that. Yeah, I mean, Reigns did all he could. Like he basically carried the match, you know, and that was. Like, I feel bad, like, to me, like, I feel bad for a lot of, like, the younger stars in WWE because it's, like, every year at WrestleMania, like, Triple H brings him and all his friends back to wrestle at WrestleMania. Like, and it's just, mm-hmm. like, you know, let the guys that work all year enjoy WrestleMania, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because really with, like, the success that NXT has had and how good they've been at building guys up and then sending them to the main roster. Like, the amount of young talent in WWE right now, I don't think there's ever been as many good wrestlers no. as, there are, as there is right now. It's um, really good. And, and, you know, and you know, come WrestleMania time, you know Triple H is going to have a match. You know, you know, you, you well, know, the really the one that the one that re- nearly drove me away from WWE was Lesnar Goldberg for the title last year. Oh, just there was there was no reason that had to be for the title. No, the fact that Goldberg beat Kevin Owens for the Universal <laughs> Title is one of the five most unforgivable things WWE has ever done. I mean, not for nothing, and I know you're a fan. But why does Brock Lesnar have the title? Like, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. Like, he's never there. He's there once in a great while. Like, he, if it wasn't for Paul Heyman, people, I mean. That's what, that's what I like about Lesnar is Paul Heyman. Because Heyman is a master on the microphone. Like, put Paul Heyman with Roman Reigns and let, watch the difference there. Well, I, I think the move might be put Heyman on Rousey. Oh. Gotcha. I have not read that anywhere. That's not inside scoop. That's right. simply what I would do. Because, that, that, I mean, Rousey will be built the same way that Lesnar is in the men's division. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of work she could do on the microphone. From what I've read, Rousey's going to be a full-timer. Like, she's going to be there all the time. Yeah, no, no. Oh, yeah. She she signed a, like, 
full-time deal to be there every week and all that stuff. So that, that's great. So that's all the more reason to put it with Heyman. Yeah. Yeah. So Lesnar Reigns, Cena Undertaker, those we know for sure, Nakamura Styles, which will tear the house down. And that's really all we know for sure at this point, right? I, I, oh, uh, oh, I guess Asuka didn't – we I don't know who Asuka is going to have a match against. No. My guess is it'll be – she's on Raw, so it's going to be Alexa Bliss. But they added the stipulation for the Rumble that the Rumble winner could pick. No, I her brand. But like Nakamura was on SmackDown, he picked AJ Styles. You know what I'm saying? I, I would. Yeah, I think I would, there's a possibility. I would. Like I think there's. I think yeah. I think there's a possibility it's going to be Oscar and Charlotte, and that'll be the marquee women's match. And I think Alexa Bliss might lose her title in the Elimination Chamber match, and then challenge for her title, like use her rematch clause or whatever at WrestleMania. That would be my prediction. I don't know who she's going to lose to, right. but I, I think that's the way I would book it to play out. Uh, women's division on SmackDown, I think, is way deeper than the women's division on Raw. Because if you look at SmackDown, you know, it's Charlotte. To me, a really underrated women's wrestler is Naomi. Naomi's really good. You know, there's Natalia and Becky Lynch, Nia Jax. You know what I mean? Nia Jax is Wait, on. Yeah, Nia Jax. Nia Tamina is on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Carmella, what's she on? She's SmackDown. SmackDown. So she still got her money in the bank too, so that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess there's still a lot to be figured out for the women. Um I would I would say Miz and Balor would be the Intercontinental title match that makes the most sense. That would be my favorite um, match. I think I, I I would love to see Dolph Ziggler get a, a singles match at WrestleMania. Um, I would say Dolph versus Bobby Roode for the U.S. title. That would be a good match. Um, Who do you think? Guess, didn't they debut or re-debut Harper and Rowan on SmackDown? Yeah, the Bludgeon Brothers. <laughs> what an awful, awful gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Like it's really horrible. I, I really bad. I'm still waiting for the Uso and Reigns trio of badass Samoans as a heel staple. I think they're they're really missing the boat on that one. Um, that would be great. Honestly, I would I would be fine if they just did like a a champions versus champions match, and they just did the bar against the Usos. But I, I, they won't do that. I have no clue what they'll do. Um, and then there will be the Cruiserweight title tournament final, I, I assume. But I, I don't know who's going to win that either. Maybe I think what we might see out of that um, – is maybe two call-ups from NXT, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, who had who were tag team partners in NXT, but then Ciampa turned on Gargano. Um, I think that they should have a little bit of a WrestleMania moment, but we'll see. We are we are almost seventy days away, so there's still a lot to be figured out. Well, I I think we're at the hour mark. It's 11 o'clock. I have to make sure I get this podcast up tomorrow afternoon yeah. so people can listen to it before the Super Bowl. Polly, it's uh, it's been a fantastic year talking football with you. Like I said, I'm going to make sure you're on here. Hopefully once a week we could do college basketball, NBA, 
Um, WWE, <laughs> we could find some some different sort of topics to cover. Oh, yeah. We we'll, have to, we'll have to get creative. Yeah, we could do a little bit of anything. All right, buddy. Well, have a great Super Bowl weekend. Eat plenty. Enjoy your beefs on Wick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we will talk soon. Have a good night, bud. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.